Hello, everybody, and welcome to an all-new Third and Nerd podcast. I am Josh Webb, a.k.a. Fight on Twist, and today I'm actually going to be joined by our producer, Scott Johnston, because Adam got called into work at the last moment. So, Scott, say what's up. What's up, everybody? How's it going? It goes well, man. It goes well. And I am so thrilled. Uh, after a lot of finagling, uh, begging, and pleading, we were finally able to get Mr. Brandon Davis of comicbook.com. Uh, Brandon, man, it's been, a, it's been a hell of a week for you, hasn't it? Oh, man, it has been, it's been good, though. It's been very, very busy. It's been unlike anything I've ever experienced, uh, ever, anywhere. Uh, but it's been great, man. It's been a lot of fun. It's really cool stuff. has definitely happened. So, before we get into the negative news, because anybody who follows uh, comic books and comic book movies is well aware of, um, of what's going on. Comic-Con, man. Speak to me about what spoke to you. Oh, man. Uh, it's kind of easy for me, to be honest with you. I feel like the winner of Comic-Con was Venom. Uh, I got to go to the panel for Venom, and I also got to do a couple of interviews before the panel. I wish the interviews were after the panel because I had so much more to talk about. Uh, but I, got, I talked to Ruben Flesher, and the things he said about this movie just sounded so promising. Um, and it just sounds like they have a really cool idea for a, a whole future, a whole universe. But then they showed footage, man. They showed a very long extended trailer for Venom. And, I mean, I was, I was not sold on Venom before. Oh, okay. I don't know. Whatever. Dude, this trailer for Venom was just fantastic. It was a comic book brought to life. I mean, Eddie Brock was talking to Venom. He popped out of his chest. The symbiote popped out. They had a conversation. He was eating That's people's awesome. heads. He was just terrifying. He was 12 feet. T- Dude, it looked fantastic. Everything about it, the animation, the, the, the way when he talked, the way he sounded, uh, the action scenes, everything looked amazing, fantastic. I think Venom was the winner. And then, I mean, I think Aquaman and Shazam, Glass. Um, and even Predator. I thought Predator looked fantastic as well, but uh, I mean, Venom is definitely the winner for me. My wife is going to be thoroughly happy about Predator. She is an alien uh, fiend. She absolutely loves uh, the Predator and Alien series. Um, so what I what I want to know is, all right, so one of the big complaints about Venom for a lot of people uh, was that he looked a little odd. He 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 looked off. That's that's kind of. I didn't have this problem. I actually thought he looked decent. I, I was a little bit more kind to the trailer that all of us got to see than I think some of my friends who, especially my buddy Joe Goodberry, who's really critical about symbiotes. Um, he he wasn't sold on it. Is this? When the general public get their hands on this, is this going to be what pushes people over the edge? You know, I think he looks great. I mean, it's definitely like a little bit of an alter, uh, an alteration versus the comics. I mean, it's always going to be in live action. There's always going to be some changes, but I thought he looked great. I mean, and I'm, I, 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 I can't express how cool it looked to see him just in action, to see him standing in the middle of the street holding someone, and you see how big he is and how real it looks and, and the facial design and the eyes and everything. Um, it just it just looked great. So I think people... Anybody who wants is going to criticize Venom, and the look of Venom was already going to criticize him no matter what, if they continue to when they see this. I think if you don't come around, there is nothing that can convince you to get on board with it. 
That's that's probably a fair assessment. And when it comes to comic book movies, and I'm sure you know this, having covered them for quite some time, that 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 is when it, I, I think more than any other movie, except for maybe Star Wars, uh, y- you know, people are super particular about what is put in the film, what is taken out of the film, the way the characters look, yada yada yada. Um, so I'm I'm actually if. What you're describing is as awesome as it is, and I have no reason to doubt that it will be. I officially am geeked out of my mind to see this footage. Um, it's 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 going to be one of those things. I've always said that I I think if a Venom movie is done right and and people are on board with it, that's a potential for a carnage. And maybe I'm getting ahead of myself because I don't know what's going on, but a f- fully fleshed out carnage movie is it feels like uh, uh could come after this um I, I realize that i may be putting you in a spot here and by all means if you can't answer just say i can't get into that but what's your opinion on it um what's your opinion on the possibility of a carnage movie provided this does well at the box office uh, I mean, I definitely think it's a possibility. I think uh, you shouldn't even rule Carnage out for this movie. Yeah, uh, I've heard, I've heard some things, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I would have rule out maybe meeting Carnage uh, a little earlier than some people expect, but uh, I definitely think that they have plans. If this movie's successful, they want to expand on the Venom franchise, uh, even though it doesn't have Spider-Man. There are still plenty of characters they can build on, and I think they're is in a sense of optimism among some of the people involved that they will become a part of the MCU and Spider-Man or have a Spider-Man in their movie some way or another. Uh, I'm not sure Kevin Feige stands on that. Right. Uh, but, but I think they definitely want to expand this universe and build something really cool with it. And that includes many other symbiotes. Oh, thank God. I'm so excited. I'll give me all the symbiotes. Um, and yeah, that's one of the big knocks I've heard on it with, with people are like, how can you have a Venom movie without Spider-Man? Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, the, the, the birth of Venom starts with Spider-Man. But I'm like, you know what? If you look at the liberties that some of these other movies have taken, even the MCU, like, how are you going to knock on that but generally be okay with the way that Wanda and, uh, and Peter, Pietro got their powers from from the Mind Stone. So I, I, I think that when you're dealing with all the rights issues that these movies have to deal with, you're, you're going to get some fudging of, of backstories and whatnot. So I wasn't as bothered by that as some. What, what's been your... Re- What's been the, the feedback you've gotten from fans on that particular issue, if any? I mean, I, I read the comments and I see all the same things that you just touched on, really. I mean, everybody says, how can you do this without Spider-Man? Oh, I don't want it. And the, But then I think the turning point for a lot of those people is that this can be rated R, and it very well might be. Um, but you, you won't get that in the MCU. Let's face nope. that. Like, if, you have, if you have him with Tom Holland's Spider-Man, you can't have a PG-13 Spider-Man and bring him over for an R-rated movie and just send him back to PG-13 land after that. So I think a lot of people who criticize the whole, oh, we don't have Spider-Man, why do we have Venom then? Uh, there's, those are the, a lot of those people are the same people who come around when they realize the freedom that this will have by not having a Spider-Man. And what about, this is an idea I've been hearing people talk about lately. I think it's actually kind of cool. What if they brought back Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and just had a separate little Spider-Man thing going on? Dude. I'd be okay with it. I mean, the average moviegoer would probably be totally mind 
screwed. They wouldn't know what's going on, but I'd be cool for us. Yeah, you're totally okay to say the other thing on this podcast. We try not to swear, but we don't mind when people do. Um, yeah, you know what? That's actually a brilliant idea. I was watching. <clears throat> I I had purchased the 3D version of Amazing, Amazing Spider-Man, and I'd, I'd not been able to watch it uh, just for some odd reason or another. Just never got around to it. I've had the 3D TV for ages. I don't know why, but I sat back and I watched it. And I'm like, you know, man, I feel like I, I have nothing against Tom Holland. I think he is incredible. I love the choice. I love him. I love the way he he plays the Spider-Man role. But I feel like Andrew Garfield maybe got shafted a little because I thought he was brilliant as Spider-Man. But when Disney recast their roles, they're going to cast them as they see fit. And Disney slash Marvel Studios... Uh, I think have earned uh, the 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 right to mess with some of these things. Uh, they've proven that they know what they're doing, and some people just kind of need to sit back, take a chill pill, and and let things unfold as they may. Scott, do you have any last questions on Venom before we move on? No, go ahead, Josh. I think you just about covered it, man. Okay, so uh, I don't want to be an only Marvel podcast. Uh, I saw the trailer for Shazam and I was like, okay, like this, this could be that DC movie that sort of brings, you know, uh, levity back in, into, into the franchise. Everything's been super serious. I feel, uh, and, and, and I just love the way with the little teaser trailer that, uh, that Shazam was put together and Aquaman as well. I've not really seen much with Aquaman, but from what you know about Shazam and Aquaman, what sort of treat are fans in for? You know, those are going to be two very different movies. I mean, Aquaman, um, I think they may have upped the levity and the humor just a little bit to get away from their past with the criticized uh, darker films. But uh, I mean, it's James Wan, and he he's really building an 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 uh, immersive world. I mean, a, a huge, vibrant version of Atlantis. Uh, that's something he wanted to do. It was really important to him that Atlantis wasn't featured in Justice League. So, I mean, it's going to be a huge expansion to the DC uh, big screen world, uh, and, and I think it's going to be a fun, big, action-packed, crazy movie. And I, I'm a big fan of Jason Momoa. Uh, so I think it's going to people who like him, which is, I, I don't know who doesn't, uh, are going to really enjoy that. But uh, it's going to have a dark moment. There's going to be scenes that could be uh, horror genre scenes because James Wan wants to put those in there. Uh, when you cut, when you meet the trench, it might be pretty dark. Um, uh, and then you have Shazam, which won't have that. I mean, it may have its, its <laughs> brief moments, you know, when he meets the wizard or whatnot. Uh, but when I saw it, I saw the trailer. I thought this looks like a uh, very Spider-Man homecoming yeah. vibe, which is, I love that film. And I actually, uh, talked to Zach Levi and, um, David F. Sandberg when they walked into our studio on Saturday at Comic-Con and they asked me my thoughts on the trailer. And I said, it, it felt like a Spider-Man homecoming tone. And I love that. I think it's a lot of fun. And you guys are bringing that coming of age story to it. And they were like, yes, that's the tone <laughs> we want. Like, I was so glad you liked it. And, so they're two very different films. I think they're both potentially great, great, great steps in a great direction uh, for DC on the big screen. It feels like it could be big crossed with uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, yep, for sure. And Brandon, why do you think it took so long 
to bring Aquaman really into uh, DCU period. I know there was an Aquaman pilot uh, that never made it to series, um, around the time that Smallville happened, and then there hasn't been anything since. Why do you think that is? I mean, come on, I think Aquaman, as much as you might like him from comics, he, he was a character who people kind of scoffed at, like, yep. like oh, Aquaman, dude talks fish, he's got long blonde hair, like, he's not that cool. Uh, and then you had to prove that a, a hero like that could work on the big screen before you spend millions and millions of dollars to make a movie on based on that character. And then Marvel comes along and they're like, oh, here's Ant-Man. And you cast Paul Rudd and you stay true to like this crazy, wonky, silly movie. And it worked. It made a bunch of money and it wasn't Marvel's biggest hit, but it was a hit. And so then you take Aquaman and I think DC was wise in casting someone like Jason Momoa and making him a character you have to take seriously and crafting this world that they are. Um, and we're getting the classic costume, that's a, which I think is a big step, uh, but it's still a character who's like a guy you'd want to grab a beer with, whereas if you see a, a, a real version of the, the comic book Aquaman, you might be like, ah, guy, nah, I don't know. And that's what that, that TV show... Uh, trailer kind of looks like i was like this looks cheesy yeah. i'm kind of glad <laughs> you know yeah i kind of felt like that trailer was akin to inhumans like thanks for trying but no <laughs> yeah i mean i i kind of figured that was the obvious answer but i felt like the question needed to be asked and then also oh, totally fair yeah real quick is zach levi as nice in person as he seems Dude, he is the nicest guy. I've, I've been lucky enough to meet him, uh, I think, three times. I met him at the Justice League premiere for the first time. And, I mean, he just talks to you like you've like you been his friend for so long. That's uh, awesome. And then we, we spoke at Comic-Con twice. And, uh, I mean, he's just so genuinely excited for the movie. And he's having a great time with the kids in the movie, uh, Asher and uh, Dylan or, or Jack. Um, and they, they get along so well. And it just seems like everybody around him it just has fun like i mean he seems like a great guy that's awesome i've I've loved him since chuck like straight out like chuck was all chuck kind of got odd as the series went on i wasn't too sure about the fourth and final season agreed but you know what man i was just happy that nbc allowed it to be finished because in a lot of situations they're like you know what we're just gonna pull the plug and that's that so i was thankful that they got to finish that out and you brought something up about aquaman that's you know fans deride often enough is sort of his abilities but the one thing I find curious is, you know, Namor never gets that treatment, or maybe I just miss it. Because, like, in Marvel, Namor's a badass. And on top of that, he's a dick, you know? Like, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a badass, and he's kind of a jerk, you know? He, he, he has his own priorities, and, and he's going to stick to those. How is it that Aquaman is viewed as this... I don't want to say pointless, but 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 subpar superhero. Whereas Namor is like, yeah, I like that guy. Well, I think first of all, it starts with the color scheme. Uh, Aquaman had like a much more friendly, um, less intimidating color scheme from the beginning, and he rode a seahorse, and he had a cartoon a long time ago, which made him look very friendly and not so such a threatening hero. Whereas Namor 
I mean, he's got like that almost Tony Starkish personality, and he's he's a little bit darker, and he's just like got that like hair that just works. He's a guy you don't look at him and say, oh, "I can mess with that guy." Whatever, I don't care if he's a superhero. I'll beat him in a bar fight. Whereas maybe if you saw someone dressed in bright orange and green pants, you'd be like, I could punch that dude in the face and walk away fine. You know what I mean? Although, yeah. I mean, you'd be wrong. You would be wrong if it was Aquaman. But you yeah. Right. I, Aquaman's probably one of the most powerful characters in DC, but he never gets that credit. You know, same with Namor. Right. One of the most powerful characters in, in Marvel. It kind of sucks, really, that Universal has those rights because mm-hmm. I've heard that notoriously they're more difficult to deal with than any uh, when it comes to the inclusion of their characters in films. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, is I realize that this is so far down the pipeline, but is there any chance we're going to see Namor anytime soon? I mean, I'm sure we're going to see him on the big screen. I don't have any information on that. Right. Um, I've tried, I've asked, and I get the same <laughs> answer everybody else does. Um, but, uh, I, I'm sure that's something that we're going to see. I mean, I think that Marvel is expanding. Marvel cinematic universe is expanding to every pocket. I mean, cosmic quantum, um, alternate. And, and so why stop? Why not go underwater? I mean, I feel like that's, that's inevitable. Yep. And, uh, speaking of inevitable, it was always inevitable that we were going to use our last minutes of, of our time with you to talk about, uh, the biggest news of the weekend. And that is the brand new show with Kamala Khan, Spider Gwen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, obviously, <laughs> obviously, James Gunn is in a bit of a pickle. Um, he has been relieved of his duties as the director uh, for uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. Um, but it seems very odd at least to me, when normally when you see these types of situations, people tend to get nuked online. And, and he is getting nuked to a certain extent, but you usually do not see as many people involved in at the forefront of these projects standing up for a person when they're in a situation like that. Usually other stories come out, yada, 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 but that's not the case with James Gunn. Uh, Zoe Saldana said she needs to take some time before she figures out how she's going to address it, but it sounds like she's not excited about it. Uh, Dave Batista had some colorful words. Um, I'm going to screw up her name, but uh, uh, Mantis, I always uh, I forget who plays her. Palm, 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 yeah, Palm is her name. Uh, she uh, she dropped a little video saying, you know, we we are Groot, uh, we are together, we are family, things like that. Um, what <laughs> What is going to happen ultimately here? Because it feels like this situation is not quite done as far as the principles are concerned. I mean, I, I think it's it's just a, it's, it's a weird time because. Uh, obviously the things that James Gunn said on Twitter, I mean, they're unacceptable types of jokes. They're making light of things that don't need to be made light of. And then you have the, the, the mob mentality of social media where they attack him. And many people are now calling him a pedophile or calling him a rapist and things like that, that he joked about. There's no evidence of him being or doing any of those things that he joked about. He just made statements as a younger person trying to find a way 
to be relevant maybe or to find a career and he didn't know what direction he was going and he wanted to find a direction and he thought that was it and then uh he grew from it 10 years of time he grew from it and he hasn't made things like that in fact quite the opposite he, he has vouched for people and he has vouched for animals and he's fought for rights and he's fought for so many things and uh i mean i think personally i think he's come a very long way if if that was his mentality even if those were rooted deeper than some sort of weird jokes. He's clearly come a long way, um, which he has reflected in the Guardians movies. And then you have this scary time where if you come to his defense, uh, you run the risk of having the same fate as him. Uh, because once the mob attacks, your your parent company that employs you wants to disassociate with you because then the parent company becomes a target. So um, it's really it's a really weird time for things like that. I think that there will become there will come a time where uh, somebody will be rehired after something like this, whether it's Chris Hardwick uh, or, or anybody who has been taken down by um, whether it's an accusation or as something they said in the past that has resurfaced or something that uh, just turned out to be false, maybe. Um, and somebody will get rehired after something like this, but I don't think Disney will be the first company to do it. I think it's too big of a stage. Um, and I, 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 I don't, really I, i'm proud of dave bautista uh for sticking up for him the way he did because he runs such a risk of losing fans or losing a job or things like that but he I don't care he's dave fighting cares. for somebody he <laughs> believes in exactly he believes in james he's worked with james and all these people james think gave about him his it, break. have james to thank they have james to thank 100 percent for their the way their careers have turned like chris pratt became the Chris Pratt we know because of Guardians in 2014. Dave Bautista became a movie star because of Guardians in 2014. He brought these people together. He put them on a platform and he brought out the best in them. Uh, and he brought out the best in himself. And now with this firing, it's showing that that was all for naught. Uh, and and you can't ever be forgiven. So it's it's a weird time. It's, it's going to be weird. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where a lot of people stand on it. Uh, whether they can ever forgive somebody for joking about things that shouldn't ever be joked about uh, and growing from that, or if you should permanently and forever suffer forever saying something like that at any point in your past. A couple last things here and we'll get you go. These are relatively quick questions, but where do you come down on this? Where, what's your personal belief on the, the, this, this? And I'm not talking about James Gunn in particular. I'm talking about the culture in which we now live where, like you've said, I mean, it's, it's people looking up everything. If they disagree with them, it's, hey, let's go search their Twitter timeline. We bet we can find them saying something inappropriate or vice versa. And, and man people are losing their careers left and right over this and it's like the ravens reporter yeah. Lindsay Lindsay yoke she just got nuked today and i can guarantee she's going to be out of a job cuz she was using racial uh racist jokes so um yeah it's uh yeah. It, i mean i think it falls on the companies that are hiring people they're going to have to start looking more thoroughly and and go all the way to the bottom of the tweets the, the, the archive of tweets and Facebook posts and anytime they've ever been on video because that's going to become a part of the hiring process because you're going to build people up and then years will go by and they will be not even um, a, a, any semblance of what that person was and they'll grow in their career and they'll grow in their personal life um, and then they'll get cut down for something from them. That's like, uh, it, it's similar to, I mean, say somebody is, is 
uh, convicted of a crime and then they do their time in jail and they become out better for it. Should they ever get a job after that? I mean, it's on their record. It shows that they've done it. Some people will hire them. Some people won't. Um, so, I mean, in the case of James Gunn, I don't think he committed any crimes as far as with the evidence I've seen. I, he, he hasn't ever shown himself to be a pedophile or a rapist or a misogynist um, from what I know. And I mean, if he is not making those jokes, if he's uh, condemning those kind of things and he's shown the kind of growth that he has, I don't know if I necessarily agree with him being fired. Um, I think that, you know, people change and it's a question for the, it's a question that will be different for everyone, but one that the world needs to ask themselves is, do you allow people to change or do you permanently hold any single strike from someone's past, whether it be large or small or offensive to you or offensive to someone else against them forever? Or do you allow them to grow from it? Here, here, Brandon. I was just going to ask you that. I was going to say, at, at what point do we start uh, looking at what have you done for me lately? And I'll just be open since we're talking about this. It's not quite the same thing, um, but I have a disability and I've been in a wheelchair my entire life. I get a lot of ignorance from people and ignorant comments. And a lot of it is just people not knowing any better, but yet people can learn and grow and change from mistakes. Not saying it's the same thing and the same level or excusing it in any way, but I tend to agree with you that I think it should be more of a thought process of what have you done for me lately versus, oh, I was a dumb kid and said something stupid in a public forum when I shouldn't have, and this is who I am now. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think, I think it's, uh, if there's a world that needs to um, embrace forgiveness, it's the world we're in today where people need to just embrace each other and get better as a whole. It's humanity right now. Um, and I think social media has allowed a lot of anonymity and a lot of uh, the worst in people to come out sometimes. Um, and, I mean, people need to look at themselves and look at each other and decide to just be better all the time. Um, and, and sometimes uh, people don't want to let people be better, and sometimes they do. And I just think it's, it's, it's going to be on an individual basis judging um, what is acceptable and what is forgivable and uh, what is allowed, really. I kind of feel like when you were mentioning some company is going to do it, and I'll ask you one last question and we'll get you out of here. This isn't it, but I, it reminded me of a company that recently did this in the WWE. They brought back Hulk Hogan after a three-year suspension, uh, obviously, for, for his comments, uh, which were pretty well known. Um, but, yeah, it's – I, I think for me, social media seems like a place right now where it's more gotcha yeah. than, than than forgiveness. You know, we're we're social media should be the place where we start to forgive people. Like publicly forgiving people is it sets a trend. It sets a. a it just gives people something to aspire to. Hey, look, instead of being all venomous and going out and getting this person, let's just forgive them or pull them aside one-on-one -on -one and say, hey, dude, 
I've went through your tweets and and you've got some some pretty reprehensible stuff on there as far as the you know the modern day public is going. Now you may have been kidding at the time, but if I were you, I'd delete those bad boys. You know, just sort of right. thing. Um. All right. So the, the the last question I want to ask you, and uh, <clears throat> I, I I've kind of been holding on to this one. Um. Why? And I, I wanted to bring it up when you mentioned Ant Man. Why the hell is Ant-Man like that one movie in the MCU where everybody can't stop praising it, but the box office numbers don't reflect it? Like, it bums me out because I feel like Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly are Marvel's power couple. Like, they have such amazing chemistry on screen. In fact, anybody that works in that movie, hero or villain, there is incredible chemistry. Like, his team, you know, David Dosmalkian, T.I., Michael Pena, oh my goodness, man, it's so refreshing to see something like that. Why are people not helping them out? <laughs> well, you know, I think, first of all, it comes down to the title. Like, look at the name. It's just yeah. And I think that for the average moviegoer, who isn't invested in the, the, the superhero genre the same way you and I and, and a lot of people listening probably are. Um, it doesn't sound like a movie that's going to make you say, oh, I got to go see that. And then you see it and you might, you'll come around. But also think about, um, I, I, don't, I could be wrong, but off the top of my head, with the exception of Captain America Civil War, what is Paul Rudd's biggest box office opening weekend of all time? Um, and eventually Lily was in the Hobbit franchise. Uh, so I feel like I can't really apply that to her, but then you, if you look at Chris Hemsworth and Robert Downey Jr. And all those guys, they're, they're some of the biggest box office draws. Paul Rudd has done plenty of tremendous movies. A lot well, of Hemsworth like was at home. Watch those movies. Hemsworth wasn't Hemsworth wasn't when he was cast to my knowledge, he was kind That's of, true. Well, he was the results with, uh, with the, the jump from Thor into Thor Ragnarok, where he had done two Avengers movies, and mm. then everyone knew who he was by the time that came around. So I think it's part of, partly the name. I mean, think of if Avengers Infinity War was called Thanos, you know? Would it have been the biggest movie of all time? What if it was called Avengers Infinity Gauntlet, and the average moviegoer doesn't know what Infinity Gauntlet means, but they know Infinity War sounds incredible. <laughs> I think it comes. it's a little bit of a title thing, um, but I think it's also just... Uh, the movies are more contained. Doctor Strange did a little bit more, I think, than uh, Ant-Man did. I think Ant-Man and the Wasp might have beaten it in the opening weekend, but they were close. I know that. Um, but I think it comes down to a little bit of star power, a little bit of title. Um, maybe timing is a factor. Uh, I think they deserve more money. I think that the Ant-Man and the Wasp is one of my favorite Marvel films yep. uh, to date. I, I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, but it came out two months after people had already seen infinity war just two months after they had just seen black panther and and then they saw deadpool so there's a lot of movies that's getting more competitive too so uh, there's a lot of factors I, that was a long ass answer i, sh- I, I don't really no, that that actually went, makes a lot of sense <laughs> that that makes a ton of sense and and i agree with you ant-man and the wasp is is probably one of my favorite movies in the entire marvel franchise like i could watch it a thousand times and i'd never get bored with it and i you know that scene and we'll get you out of here on this note that scene when uh they busted out the truth serum right before it happened i looked at my wife not even knowing what was going to happen and i was like this is going to be fucking awesome like you just knew with truth serum going into michael pena that it was going to go down and it did 
Uh, <laughs> so with that Peyton note, Reed, man, that guy knows how to make a movie. Oh my God. And that's probably, you know, this may be a thing where now it's an opportunity for somebody like Peyton Reed to step up with the absence of James Gunn. Uh, Marvel does like to rotate some of their directors and they brought in the Russos off of, uh, off of Captain America. So maybe, maybe Peyton Reed will get a shot at some guardians, maybe just to keep that hilariousness and the chemistry and the, who knows? We'll see. It's way too early to tell, but we know you got to get going. So what I want to do is I want to give you the opportunity to tell folks where they can find you uh, and anything that you may have coming up uh, that you're going to drop that people may want to check out. Sweet, yeah, uh, I mean, you can find me all the time on comicbooks.com. Um, I do a lot of our interviews are they're always posted on the site. You can find me on social media uh, at Brandon Davis BD on any on any social platform. Uh, coming up, I will be at the the Meg Junket this weekend. That's not really a public thing, but I'll be there, and then when you can see that, uh, I will be at Walker Sucker Con in Orlando uh, in about two weeks, and then I will be in Atlanta on August 25th hosting uh, an event called An Evening with Jeffrey and Norman. And it's myself, Norman Reedus, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and Walker Sucker Con CEO James Frazier, uh, and we will be doing a little fun uh, get together for 800 people. It's a pretty exclusive event. Uh, tickets are still available. Um, and uh, that's all I've got for now, I believe. If if you're a Walking Dead fan, we've not covered it in this. If you're a Walking Dead fan, you you need to understand Brandon's level of adoration and love for this franchise, uh, the television show, and and sort of the fun it brings to us at at a rather tumultuous time in our lives. If you get the chance to go check out Brandon talking The Walking Dead, it is far more interesting than anything you will hear on this podcast. I can promise you. He's, <laughs> talk about passion, man. He is going to nuke it at that thing. So go get tickets. Brandon, it has been a true joy and a genuine pleasure. I've long wanted to talk to you. I hope we can get you back on the show sometime that, uh, in the future when Adam is there so <laughs> we can do this with everyone. Uh, but I, I really just want to thank you for your time and, and dealing with the hiccups that we've had. Yeah, but no, thank you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, we should definitely do this again sometime. Thank you. Yeah, awesome, thanks a lot, man. Brandon. Cool, guys. Well, thank you. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I've got to run out of my house. But uh, yeah. thanks so much. And uh, I'll definitely uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, awesome. Brandon. Thank you. And have a good one, man. Yeah. See ya. All right. Bye. All right. So that was Brandon Davis of comicbook.com. Uh, Scott. Uh, what do you make of the James Gunn situation, man? Well, I would talk a little bit here before we wrap this thing up. Yeah, I would, um, I don't know, man, that's a tough thing. Like I was talking with Brandon, you can't really defend the comments, but at the same time... Can we talk about something real quick, though? Yeah. One thing that never gets, really ever gets brought up is the the contextualization of when these jokes are made. And again, I'm not excusing anything. That's what I was just going to say. Society goes through ebbs and flows, where these types of jokes and, and, and this type of humor is acceptable, then it's not acceptable, then it's acceptable again. I mean, if you look at the 90s with the WWE era, Vince yeah. Vince McMahon was, you know, make, making girls strip down to their thongs and having them kiss his ass. Like, it doesn't get any more misogynistic or trash than that. But yet, that was an entire segment on WWE called Kiss My Ass. Right. And it was acceptable. Right. Yeah. But, uh, 
in this day and age, um, the Me Too era, that stuff and Black Lives Matter, that stuff's not flying, regardless nope. of when it was made. And un- unfortunately for him, it was made in a public forum. And like I said, I tend to agree more on Brandon's side of things, where we look at the whole person versus something they may have said a long time ago and judging them on that. I think that there's room for a little bit of grace, especially if you've worked with somebody and you know that by their actions day to day, uh, their actions don't reflect those comments. But then again, the comments were made. So, and from Disney's perspective, unfortunately, it's about money. So, and that was going to hurt their bottom line if they didn't make... I don't think it was, to be honest You don't you. think so? Nope. Because Guardians of the Galaxy 3 wasn't going to come out until after Infinity War 2. And okay. Infinity War 2 is slated for summer of next year. So, so people would have forgotten ta- all like, about it. Dude, people discount the level of news that Donald Trump and these movements and and just the random mass violence that will take place in between now and then. Like, there will be some people who, if James Gunn were rehired, they would be like, you know what, I'm not going to go see this movie. There will be some people who do that. But I genuinely believe from the bottom of my heart that enough time will have passed that I think that people would be like, Oh, it sucks that they did it, but I'm not going to not go watch this film. Like, one thing that I would do if I were them is maybe, like, don't let people know that James Gunn is working on it. Like, have his brother Sean be the director and just let James Gunn, you know, do it from behind the scenes. Yeah. Or, um, and we'll also think about it from Disney's perspective. It is owned by Disney, whether it hurt the bottom line or not. They do have, even though it's a Marvel movie, they have a family-friendly brand to uphold. And if they hadn't had done that, um, I don't know. I, I look at look at what they've done with some people that have made comments on ESPN. So it's a tough thing. It, it really is. I don't really know whether there's an an easy answer, but that's why you and I aren't making the big bucks, Josh. Yeah, we make the big bucks, dude. No, I said that's why we're not, because we don't have to make those decisions. No, we do make the big bucks, man. So we do have to make those decisions? Yeah. Okay. Don't you know know Disney is going to be calling us about this? Oh, well then, okay, I will take the paycheck. That's what I'm saying, dude. dude. That is what I'm saying. Any Anytime Bob Iger wants to pawn his decisions <laughs> off on me, I am fine with it. As long as I get the <laughs> paycheck to support that. I think I think it would be Kevin Feige that would make this decision rather than Bob Iger. Kevin Feige runs the, uh, runs the show for Disney. Oh, there we go. Uh, Disney Marvel. But... Um, yeah, man, any any last things about uh, any sports news you want to get in and talk about, man? We kind of just went straight comics on this episode. We never got into the third part of Third and Nerd. I know, man. Um, 
Not anything. Another, another, another uh, uh, All Star game won by the American League. I know, I know. It's, who who saw that coming? Uh, definitely not eleven runs over the last two innings. That was nuts. Yeah. Especially when it looked like it was going to be a two-one scoring game. Yeah, they go pretty much all the way through. And I was like, "Oh, this is an exciting all-star game!" And then, and then the runs just exploded. So hopefully that'll get the MLB ownership on board with hopefully approving the DH in the AL. I mean, in the NL. Just my opinion. I think that that should have happened a long time ago. And uh, you know what, man? I like the idea that pitchers hit. To be honest, hey, I, you know, man, you have you have you have a certain number of people on the team, and it's not it's not anybody but the pitcher's fault that he can't hit. <laughs> well, well, it's also the game too, because they don't really have it? time to learn how to hit. I mean, they should be hitting all the way through, but the game is so specialized now. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't see how they don't have time to hit. I guess I'm missing out on that. Like I mean, they, could, they could totally, they could totally uh, get in some batting practice after, after uh, practice, and and you know, get out there and and start cranking them, improve that overall. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, you know I'm an Angels fan, and I'm a huge Otani fan. Watching what he's been able to do, I'm hoping that he changes the game and turns back the clock 100 years to where we see pitchers hit and actually are legitimate threats with the bat. But unless and until then... Why do why do I need to see a pitcher strike out, you know, nine out of every ten times he steps up to the plate? Just my opinion. Also Well, it's a fair opinion, but I ultimately think that uh, you know, they can improve their batting average. Hey, if I'm going to a game, I'm paying to watch the pitchers pitch. I'm not paying to watch them hit. I don't know, man. I, I I ultimate like look Shohei Otani is kind of a a, a freak of nature. Total freak uh, of nature. It's not often that you see somebody like him with the ability to pitch the way he does and drive in runs quite the way he does. Uh, rather special and and it's it's kind of sad that he plays. <clears throat> it's weird to me that he signed for the Angels when he wants to hit. It's like. You're taking up a valuable spot, whereas you could go to a National League team and provide a stupid bat all the way at the bottom of the order right before your best guys come up. Well, like, yeah, but he... I don't know. He, I don't know. He did it. He, actually, he's the one pitcher that it made sense that he goes to the AL because he can be active every day because on the days that he's not pitching... He can hit. Granted, he could hit all five days if he wanted to in the NL. I don't think any team would let him do that because he needs some rest. But I mean, it's a valid point. And before yeah, we... you make you make a good point about that. Him having the opportunity. Yeah, and 
you know, I also make the point as an Angels fan, and and I've argued this several times that um, as weird as this is to say, uh, I would rather have had Mark Teixeira than Mike Trout because uh, for those people that don't know, the compensatory pick that the Angels got number 25 in 2009 for uh, not being able to sign Mark Teixeira turned into, guess who, Mike Trout. That being said, I think that the Angels actually would have been better off and Mike Trout would be better off had they signed Mark Teixeira instead because it would have kept them from signing Pujols to a suicide pact and allowed them to improve the team in other areas, namely their starting pitching. But it's revisionist history now. Before yes, it we, is. Before we get out of here, Josh, I want to hear your thoughts on a little NBA news. And mm. I, I want to hear your thoughts ah, yes. on the Kawhi Leonard trade to Toronto. Huh. Um, I, I, I don't understand it. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta be honest. I do not understand it. Uh, Toronto goes and trades their by, and, and I happen to know a lot about this guy because guess where he played in college? Where do you play in college? DeMar DeRozan? Yeah. He played at USC. Did he? Yes, he did. I did not know that. Why didn't DeMar, I DeMar DeRozan, the reason he played at USC is because they offered a scholarship to um, uh, Bow Wow. Or no, it was Little Romeo. That's oh, who it that's was. right. Uh, they offered a scholarship to Little Romeo to come to USC, and so that enabled them to get DeMar DeRozan as well. That's so he a actually, reason for him to go to a college. It's it really is, but he he they were what they were doing was just basically trying to to get uh, trying to get him a scholarship to a top notch university as a result of them wanting uh, Romeo or whatever the case may be. It's right. it's weird, but but getting back to your question, okay, so I don't know what Demar. I I haven't read up on this, so maybe you can answer this question. Were there reports that DeMar DeRozan was going to leave Toronto uh, when his contract ran out? Uh, I, were, were there solidified reports yeah, that DeMar DeRozan I, I, was going to bounce? I don't know about that for sure, but I had heard a little bit about that myself. So there might have been something about that um, where uh, they figure, well, if he's going to leave anyway, we might as well trade him. Right. In. Right, and that's that's what I was thinking. Like, but but I don't. I never saw any reports that stated DeRozan was positively gone. Like yeah. he was out. I never no. saw anything to to that. Whereas Kawhi Leonard is gone. Yeah, he wants to play in L.A. Like this isn't up for debate. Kawhi Leonard is gone. He ain't. No matter how much he, fun he has in Toronto over the yeah. next year. Kawhi Leonard is leaving and going to play in Los Angeles uh, with LeBron James the next year. The only thing that I can think of is that potentially uh, the the Raptors are setting it up so that they can trade Kawhi Leonard. 
to the Lakers. My thinking uh, exactly. For, for a couple of young pieces that they yep. can then use to rebuild their franchise. Yep. That's really the only logical explanation I can find uh, for, for making this trade. Because Kawhi Leonard is going to play with LeBron. I think everybody in the world knows that. And it's yeah. been reported by basically every major journalist. So, um, Still weird that our guy uh, Paul George just re-signed with the Thunder without even meeting with the Lakers after saying... For years that he wanted to come home. But uh, back to Kwai, I think that's my thinking exactly is they'll keep Kwai as long as they're in contention. But the second they're out of contention, they move him to L.A. uh, You know, half a season early and get some. some They'll get some pieces on on and maybe a pick or two back. Provided that Kawhi Leonard inks up a long-term deal with the Lakers, agrees to like a sign or a, a trade in, in, in an extension. Yeah. Um, that's that's really all I can see. That's what makes the most sense about this. You know, it, it's strange to me, too, that LeBron went and did this because you'd think um, – I get that he wants to retire – in L.A., he wants to be a Laker. The Lakers are where you can go to cement your franchise or your legacy. Yeah. Excuse me, not your franchise. He wants to be an actor, too, right? Uh, yeah, possibly, man. Or producer. Yeah. And, so, and, and, and so, I mean, a lot of things work for LeBron uh, in relation to uh, the next stages of his career. Um, but it seems kind of odd that all these players... Uh, that LeBron was supposedly going to meet up with um, have have re-signed or been traded to other franchises. And it's like, yeah. no Paul George, no Carmelo Anthony, uh, no Kawhi Leonard. Like, what? Makes Wait. you wonder, are they really that tight? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do, do, do people really want to end up uh, playing second banana? to LeBron James because yeah. let's face it if you're on a team with LeBron James you're you're the second banana right i don't care i don't care how good you are you're the second banana yep he he is the greatest player of this generation and it's it's not up for debate right. <laughs> i don't really care i don't really care what anybody says this is my opinion um but yeah i don't know the the whole move seems weird to me uh, we'll see what ends up happening out of this. Uh, one hopes it works out for LeBron, because one would I would hate for it to end up being like a Wizards move. No, <laughs> for like, oh, like Jordan to yeah. the no, no. I don't think there's any way that happens. Well, I don't, I don't think Magic will let that happen. No, I don't think Magic will let that happen either. But the thing with Magic is, is that there are so only so many top players out there, and if you're going to be signing these guys, uh, then they can't be signing long-term deals with with other cl- organizations. And that's kind of sort of what's going on here. Yeah, you know, Paul George signs a long-term deal. Uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard didn't. We know he's coming to L.A., so th- they'll at least have that nucleus. When they get it, who knows? Uh, but it looks like Carmelo Anthony wants to play long-term uh, with the Rockets. Um, Which and seems what's to... Up? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know I know uh, Harden and, and Paul are there, but I don't know. It just seems kind of... 
I guess because of those guys, it, it's a fit, but it, for Mello, it just seems like an odd fit. It does. It really does seem like an odd fit. And the funny part about it is, is that, you know, um, they, the, the, the Rockets were really within a, a, a Nats wing of, of making the NBA finals. Like yeah. they had the Warriors where they wanted them. And then Chris Paul goes down with an injury. I legitimately think that if Chris Paul doesn't get injured, I think the Rockets make it to the NBA Finals. Now, that's no knock on Steph Curry and the that is no knock on Steph Curry and the juggernaut that is the Golden State Warriors. Like they are just the most dominant franchise I have seen uh, in basketball outside of the uh, outside of the uh, yeah outside of the Bulls, yeah. but. Uh, you know, man, uh, I, I think the Rockets had their number, and uh, it just went wrong for them. It just went wrong. And it sucks, but them sports, you know? like Yeah. <laughs> so, I, what I don't a way know, to man. put it. Them sports. That, that's yeah, about, it is, that, that's it about is, it. Though. That's about it. That's so true. So, I want to ask you something, man. What's up? Uh, since, since we got some time, let's have some fun here. We can, t- we can talk a little sports, maybe like 20 minutes of sports. Where are we at? When did Brandon bounce? Okay, so let's do about another 15 minutes, and then we'll get out of here. Um, all right, so the Niners, buddy. Let's talk about your Niners. Uh. All right, so um, the slob knobbery that is taking place uh, over Jimmy Garoppolo. Rightfully people are so. just dro- drooling all over him. Rightfully uh, so. Mm, okay. <laughs> Not only the 40, is he Superman the 40, on the football field... He could also play him on the big screen. Just my opinion. Hold on a second here, because, you know, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, and when he was inserted into the Niners' offense, people knew playing the Niners that they really had nothing to play for at that point. Right. And I get that they dismantled the Jaguars, and I watched that game, but the Jaguars didn't even look like they were playing. They they knew where they were at, the Jags did. They they knew what their position was. They knew where they were at in the, in, in, in the playoffs. Um, it is what it is, uh, but uh, I I am a little blown away by the number of people who who are treating Jimmy Garoppolo as though he is Tom Brady. I I think I think it's it's earned as of right now. It's earned. He deserves to be compared to a five time Super Bowl hey, champion. He learned. He learned at his feet, man. He had to have picked up something. And, I guess. And, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think it's it's often we've seen, granted, granted, teams don't didn't have a lot of film on him, and we might see him and the rest of the team fall back down to earth a little bit this year because of that, but... It's not often we've seen a quarterback be traded midseason, come in, and light the world on fire like that. When was the last time you've seen that? When was the last time I've seen what? A quarterback. Wait, have we ever seen that? Yeah, a quarterback. A, no, a quarterback be traded midseason to a new team and light the world on fire? 
Well, no, but we have seen a quarterback uh, get thrust into a game uh, after Tom Brady went down for an injury and then lead the Patriots to an 11-5 and record. Now, they didn't make the playoffs that year because the Miami Dolphins unleashed the the Wildcat offense to the NFL, and it seemed to stymie defensive coordinators who never watched a college football game in their life. Um, but uh, different situation, though, dude. But the, the, it's a completely different situation. But the fundamentals are the same. Quarterback who has not played was never going to play. All of a sudden, gets thrust into a situation where he is now the starter, and a lot is expected out of him. And are Matt, saying, are you saying, Matt Castle are you, delivered. Dude, he put you, up 400-yard passing games, I think, back-to-back-to-back. Dude, to back to back. dude, are you seriously comparing Jimmy Garoppolo to Matt Castle? Yes! Both of them. How can you not? Both of them learned under Tom Brady. Oh, like, my gosh. Dude, okay, both Jimmy of them Garoppolo learned under Tom not Brady. Matt Castle. Both of, okay, it's, I don't know how you can sit there and say, Jimmy, we didn't know what Matt Castle was going to be. It's apples and oranges. How? How is it apples and oranges? Both of them spent their entire career behind Tom Brady and were suddenly thrust into a role they didn't know they were going to have where a lot was expected out of them, and they delivered. I don't understand. Garoppolo's done it with a completely different team. He, he not only no, no, did, no, no. He not only did about, it with his own I'm team. Talking about, I'm talking about the very first time that that uh, what's his bucket, um, uh, Castle? Matt Castle, yeah, got thrust into the situation. I'm talking about the very first time Matt Castle was thrust into that situation and had to figure out what he was doing on the fly because Tom Brady had his ACL busted. Okay. Now maybe, maybe. It's a little bit different in that he went to a new team, but it's not really that different because the style of play coming from Shanahan, the way he runs his shit, isn't that much different uh, than than what you're going to see out of you know uh, an offensive coordinator for the Patriots in in like Josh McDaniel, so That's on and exactly so. That's exactly why they traded for him. I know that. This is what I'm saying. The situations were relatively the same outside of the fact that Garoppolo was traded to a different team, whereas Matt Castle was stuck on the same team. That's well, really the only difference. And, well, and and a actually, well, a different team, but also a much worse team. Think about think about how bad. I mean, granted. They were close, even with C.J. Beth- Bethard. I forget how many games they lost by only three points. The Niners were competitive most of the season, even with C.J. Bethard in there. But, you can't deny how bad that receiving core played with C.J. Bethard versus Jimmy Garoppolo. It, I, and... His leadership intangibles? I don't know, man. I think... I think you're trying to find reasons that they're massively different, but at the end of the day, they kind of all had a... They all were... were, Like I said, uh, Garoppolo spent his time behind Tom Brady. Castle spent his time behind Tom Brady. The reason the 49ers traded for 
Garoppolo is because he had played in a similar style offense and they knew that they could plug and play. Right. So, so it really wasn't like he went to the Niners and learned some massively different playbook. The, the, the scheme was not the same, but it was close enough. So you have similarities there. Uh, then Garoppolo, uh, you know, does well. I, Matt Castle did well. He put up 400-yard passing games in, in consecutive games. So, like, what's your contention? That he's going to fall on his face this year? No, no, no. That's not my contention at all. What? Just because I'm comparing somebody to Matt Castle in in <laughs> what they accomplished already doesn't mean I think that Garoppolo's ceiling is Matt Castle. I think that's where you might be getting hung up. I think Garoppolo can be a better quarterback than Matt Castle. When Garoppolo was coming out of college, there were people, like myself, who were a lot higher on him than than other people were. Uh, Matt Castle never really had that. He was never one of those guys where people are like, Matt Castle went to USC, man. You're screwing up by not taking him. That was never really the case. There's a reason that the Patriots went up and got him, because they knew that if they left him there, he was going to be gone. A lot of teams were very interested in Garoppolo. So I do not think that Garoppolo is going to fall on his face or fail to live up to expectations. I am simply saying that the situations are very similar in that both of them were behind Tom Brady and then thrust into a situation where a lot is expected of them or a lot was expected of them and they delivered. Okay, that's fair enough. And, and, yeah, I mean, I, I do agree that the anointing that's happened with, with Garoppolo is somewhat premature, but, but I will back up my, my previous statement that with what he's done so far, it is deserved. Now, whether he's still going to deserve that sort of praise, you know, after this season... We'll see. He might come back down to earth a little bit. We don't know. He might. He might. We'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anyway, we will we will see what happens. It's uh, going to be interesting. Yeah, the NFC West as a whole is a really really interesting division, and we couldn't say that a year ago. No, we couldn't. I mean. There were the, the NFC West was largely considered one of the worst divisions in all of uh, of uh, football. Yeah, um, and, and now we're back to like where it was what three years ago with you know the Harbaugh Niners and you know the Seahawks and when the Cardinals, the Cardinals. Car- Carson Palmer. I mean, now we we just. I plugged- think Josh Rosen is going to. Uh, uh, I think Josh Start Rosen is going to be fantastic. I really do. Yeah, I do too. And I and I was just going to go there. I mean, um, you basically, which I still think is funny. You have, and and this is a point not many people pay attention to, but you had Carson Palmer, who wore number three for the Cardinals for the last what uh, six years, and then they draft a rookie who most likely he's going to be their starting quarterback week one, and what number is he wearing? Number three. Um, I just think it's it's kind of funny how that works. But I think that Josh Rosen and the Cardinals 
are going to be one of the more interesting storylines to watch this year in the NFL uh, because he is a guy that coming into the draft, people were really high on, and then for whatever reason, there seems there seemed to have been some sort of mixed feelings on him, and I don't quite get it. I mean, maybe a lot of it is his off-the-field or demeanor, but I don't know. I, I think his on-the-field talent is going to trump that. Yeah, we're going to find out what happens with Garoppolo. I think there's an immense amount of talent there. I think the Niners are have a lot more to worry about than just uh, uh you know, quarterback play. There's, there's a I lot there that they, they, they added a lot during the draft. Uh, it was a really, really good draft by John Lynch. I mean, it was probably, probably the best draft, uh, of any team. And, and I'm not a Niners fan. So if I, I say that it's cause I believe it. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm still confused about the receiving core. That's, that's who who is the receiving core? That's exactly my point. No, no, no. no. Who who is it? Who uh, who who are the players? The, the big the biggest names you have are um, Pierre Garçon, who's coming back. Well, all 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 eighty nine years old of him. Go right. on. And Marquise Goodwin. Um, the guy can run faster than hell. Right, he's stupid fast, and uh, Garoppolo turned him from a pumpkin into a princess last year. Um, <laughs> but the rest of them, they're a bunch of young, uh, you know, first, second year guys that haven't really made a name for themselves yet. And that's where it's really going to be interesting. And then uh, at tight end, you have George Kittle, who I happen to like, and is a rookie after Garoppolo got there. He made big strides, but that is going to be one area that's kind of interesting. And actually, the one player to watch on the Niners that on the offensive side of the ball that I'm really excited to watch is Jarek McKinnon coming over from Minnesota to see what he does and how they use him. Because literally, he can run, he can catch, and he can make an impact on special teams. And... I'm just really, really curious and excited to see how they use a multi-dimensional player like that. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, it feels like the Niners are entering into their uh, into their situation with a lot of versatile players. Yeah, uh, a lot of guys that that that. Um... Yeah, because they drafted uh, Dante Pettis out of. Uh, the uh, out of, of Washington, yeah, yeah. Oh, Dante Pettis is along with um, oh gosh, um, Taylor, oh, the young receiver they have, I forget his last name, um, who's a who's a pretty good kick and punt returner, and then they also have McKinnon too. So I'm really really interested to see how that all shakes out. And yeah, then, it's. It's definitely going to be interesting. And then you have the the five billion dollar squad of the L.A. Rams too, who we haven't even talked about. Yeah, the Rams, on the other hand, are uh, they haven't even signed Aaron Donald yet, and they're 
putting together some stupid, stupid uh, <laughs> uh, squad. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you we have the Seahawks that are just totally in rebuild mode, retooling mode, whatever you want to call it. Poor Russell Wilson, I don't think, uh, knows what's going on. Do you think the Rams are going to be able to replicate their success this year? I do. Uh, the only thing that could potentially derail it is if all of those personalities don't get along in the locker room. They're definitely better than they were last year on paper. Yeah, they're better than they were on paper, but that doesn't always mean that they're going to do well. Trust me, I'm an Angels fan, I know that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Albert Pujols. Yeah, I just had a conversation with a buddy about this last night, about how the Angels look great on paper every year and never end up doing anything. So, I know exactly how that feels. And then... Well, I would complain, but the Red Sox aren't. Yeah, the Red Sox are doing well. Yeah, and then um, on the other side of the bay, we have the Raiders that, uh, well, they decided to back at the Brinks truck to uh, basically drag John Gruden out of retirement and get... How horribly do you think that's going to end up being? I personally think it's going to implode, but... Yeah, do you think John Gruden is is just a complete failure? I think he's past his his prime as a coach. I think the he's a very very smart analyst, and his X and X's and O's are still good, but his personnel moves, man, along with Reggie McKenzie, I don't know. I personally, I think Jordy Nelson is over the hill, and they overpaid for him. Uh, signing Doug Martin, granted to a a bargain basement contract, but when you have some other young backs behind him, I and letting go of Michael Crabtree for Jordy Nelson, I just I'm don't actually know. a big fan of that, to be honest. Really, you like the Jordy Nelson move? Why? I think Jordy Nelson is a better receiver than Michael C- Crabtree. Oh, I, I do too, but. I think that Jordy Nelson, his best years are behind him. Hmm, I don't know about that. I don't and, know about that. And I, speaking of Jordy Nelson, I mean, I just feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. I still don't understand what the Packers are doing when Aaron Rodgers says all the time, sign this guy, and then they specifically don't go out and sign who your quarterback in the face of your franchise wants you to retain. Yeah. I just don't understand it. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, so any last sports news you want to touch on, my good friend? Uh, nothing I can think of right now other than Justin Turner hit the DL uh, today. For the the, uh, Dodgers. For the Dodgers. For the Doyers. For the Doyers, and Manny Machado is going to play third base. <laughs> surprise, surprise, Justin Turner hit the DL right after Manny Machado <laughs> became a dog. <Right? laughs> 
Yeah. Something uh, tells me they had that planned, right? Yeah. But, you know, the Red Sox are going to crush this year. I, I just know it. Well, they already I, are, so. Yeah, best record in the majors. Best we, pitching staff in the majors. I don't know whether it'll happen, but it'd be awesome if we had a a um, Theo Epstein World Series, a Theo special between the Cubs uh, and the Red Sox. Mm, yeah, uh, oh, greatest GM in the history of sports, Theo Epstein. Oh, no question. Fair enough. That's, no. that's kind of where I'm at. If you if you break two curses like the Cubs and the yeah. Red Sox, done. You're the best GM in baseball. I don't. You could win nothing for the rest of your life. You broke a curse with the Cubs, and you broke a curse with the Red Sox. Done. Yeah. Best GM in all of sports all ever. Of, all of sports ever. Period. Yep. Uh, and and nobody. That is something that I. Uh, well, at least in our lifetime that nobody will be able to ever duplicate or break that record ever again. Nope. They shall not be able to break it. No. So, I think... uh, I I totally agree with you. Theo Epstein is the greatest GM, regardless of sport, ever, end of story, in our lifetime, and even if... Somehow, some way, there's somebody after him, after we're gone, that comes and somehow eclipses that. I will still be arguing beyond the grave that Theo Epstein is the greatest GM of all time. Yeah, I, I, I honestly believe that he is the greatest GM of all time. I think the stats back him up on that. Um... How, how can you not? <laughs> What what else would you have to do in order, like, if you're Theo Epstein, about the only thing you could have done was previously lead the White Sox to a World Series. Like, that's the only other, like, here's what Theo Epstein does for an encore. He goes to Cleveland and helps yes. the Indians win a World yes. Series. Yes, although, right city, wrong sport. I was going to say, he changes sports. Becomes a GM in the NFL and gets the, and Browns, the Browns to win the Super Bowl. That's about it. That is about it. But anyway, I think we ought to r- wrap it up, Josh. How about you? We should. Yeah, we've we've had a lengthy podcast. It's been good. Good guests. Good topics. Good fun. Let's uh, let's uh, let's call it, brother. All right. Um. Well, thanks for having me on as a co-host today, Josh. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And Dude, uh, it was it was sincerely a lot of fun uh, yeah. to have to have you on. Uh, it was it was really it was really cool that you kind of talked about your own disability on the podcast and uh, and how and, and and brought it in to the larger discussion of the jokes that people make and sort of where we're at in society over it. So, well, yeah, uh, because I appreciate you doing that, brother. That was that was really cool of you. Oh, absolutely. And and that's something that a lot of people don't think about because uh they don't think of disabilities being a minority. We always think of minorities are along racial lines or you know, sexual orientation, but not necessarily disabilities. 
when it absolutely is a minority and I can tell you from experience I get treated as such as weird as that is being a member of both the most advantaged race on the planet being a straight white male and the world's largest minority it that being somebody with a disability it can be um, kind of an interesting existence at times but uh, anyway anytime I'm I have the opportunity to share my story and educate people a little bit and get them to think outside of the box they're used to thinking in. I'm glad to do it. And uh, just thanks for the opportunity in the forum. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? It kind of it kind of really worked out that uh, that Adam wasn't able to participate today because. Uh, you know I love getting you involved, and, and that's going to kind of be the plan going forward. If Adam can't participate, we'll get you involved, and uh, yeah, man, um, you're enough of a nerd. You're enough of third. We got you, Scotty. We got you. Cool, man. And uh, with that, if you'll allow me to wrap up, Josh. I will. Okay. We want to thank Brandon for joining us today. And Josh, remind me real quick of his Twitter handle, please. You can you can find Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Davis B as in boy D as in dog. It's just his initials, Brandon Davis BD. All right, and then you can also find Josh Webb on Twitter at Fight on Twist. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Third and Nerd. And I believe it is all, well, the third is 3RD, and is spelled out, and then nerd is just spelled like nerd, right? Yep. Third being 3RD. And spelled out, and then nerd spelled just like it sounds, and just how you spell nerd. So, with that, everybody. Oh, and also, real quick, I'm not on Twitter much. I'm trying to hop back on Twitter uh, a little bit more. You can also follow me on Twitter at Swudge Speaks. S W J Speaks. So, with that, want to thank Brandon, want to thank Josh. And want to thank all of you for listening. As always, thanks for now passing on Third and Nerd. We'll see you next time.